Welcome to Game Over Montreal. That was a game. Uh, Canadians lose one against the Carolina Hurricanes. Seems like it's always a loss against the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm here with Tredge Wilson from the Hockey Writers. Tredge, how do you stay awake during this one? Uh, I don't know. I uh, was on Twitter. <laughs> Mainlining that hockey Twitter. That's how we all get through it. Well, yeah. many of us anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a, a barn burner tonight by any stretch. I will say I think the Canadians played better than I expected them to. Like I, I thought it was a pretty gutsy effort until they tied it in the third and it looked like Carolina turned on the Jets. and it, they. I don't think the Canadians generated a shot after no, I think uh, actually, I think I read on there one of the guys put on that they never had a shot after the for the last ten minutes after they scored the tying goal they never had a shot on net. Yeah, um, and the the first ah the, the first few minutes of both the first and second period just kind of downed them right then and there. And uh, I mean, it's a young team. I guess you can't complain, but I th- I just thought of a little bit more pickup with the holiday uh, coming in that they would be a little. I mean. Carolina is one of those places where you don't expect them to win anyway. It's like going to Minnesota. I mean, the yeah. team could be 0-72, and, and for some reason the Habs would lose and and that thing. And uh, Renata, who's probably the worst goalie in the NHL right now, looked like Patrick Waugh, uh, you know, through most of that game. So that's just, it's just the way Montreal's been. And I guess in a rebuilding team, that's what you – I guess you're going to get games like that. I was just hoping a little bit more excitement. They went down two nothing, and usually when they come back, it's a little bit more exciting. But it was just a roller coaster of not exciting yeah. at all. <laughs> I feel like this game was hindered by the fact that like all the players who scored played bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought Matheson was much better after his first few shifts. Like his first few shifts, he was like objectively terrible, overhandling the puck terrible giveaways Mm -hmm. then he scores his goal which he seems to always do when he plays really bad (laughs) he just he finds a way to get a beautiful goal in there but you know mitchell stevens whenever a guy like that scores a guy who's like objectively really struggling out there on the ice and and like not really contributing much outside of the odd lucky goal it remind like people get mad at me when I'm like not excited about it. Like it, it brings me back to, do you remember when Michelle Terrian kept throwing Dale Weiss out on the top line, yeah. and people were like, "Yeah, Dale Weiss, folk hero, he scores all these goals, and he's on pace for like ten goals a, a season on the top line with Max Pacioretty." And I'm like, "Just get this guy off the goddamn top line, put him where he's supposed to be." And it's like when he scores, of course. That means he's going to stay in the lineup. I would much rather than put Jake Evans back at center on the fourth and play Emil Heineman a little bit more, give him more of a shot. And then you've got Josh Anderson scores and like, good for him. He's on a little roll here, but that line was terrible tonight. And of course, Slav gets put in concussion protocol and immediately it's Anderson out on the top line. Like we know that doesn't work, Marty. Why you got to do this? Why you got to do this? Uh, I don't know. Marty's excitement over Anderson's goal kind of told you the entire uh, uh, thing. And I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that third line was the worst line out there. They weren't great, but I think they still were kind of the best line for the Canadians tonight. Like if that makes any sense. Um, 
I mean, I'd have to see the little card that gets put out there on Twitter that shows you uh, how well each lot, each player did on their offense, defense. But uh, I, it's hard to say. Oh, actually, no, I can't say that. I guess Slavkowski, Caulfield, and and Suzuki were probably the best Corsi line out there. Um, but they were actually uh, at the bottom of the uh, the stat card, the hockey stat. Card. Oh, were they? they? Okay, well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, because those. those uh, it, it kind of depends on what you value for for the like what what's predictive or or what do you value yeah. in game right like that line got caught on I think they were on for three of the goals maybe just two of the goals so like when you're on for goals against you're it's very punishing versus goals oh, four okay. and that line didn't score but if you look at like uh, the scoring chances for and against that line still didn't do that great I thought they had some great moments but overall defensively they had a tough night. And it was like the the Monahan Anderson line. I actually really liked in the second period they were really physical. Yeah. But defensively, bit of a mess, and offensively didn't really create any shots per se. The line that I really liked was uh, Dvorak, Gallagher, and Armia. But you know what? None I of those myself. guys can score. <laughs> that was the line I thought was the best line, not yeah. uh, the Monahan line. Um, I thought I thought Gallagher was uh, was motoring like he was yeah, he in was. there trying to do every and I I've noticed that the last few games with Gallagher like uh, I don't blame him for his five hundred million dollar contract his Shoei Otani contract that he has uh, uh, because that was a Bergevin who we all know loved Gallagher he cried at the presser about giving him this contract. Um, and he also painted himself into a corner, right? Because he'd already lost Dino at that point. Correct. Yeah. So and, he was like, "I got to keep one of my guys." And uh, but I think Gallagher would have stayed for less. Personally, I think yeah. he wanted to stay in Montreal. But hindsight, um, I thought he played really well. Like he's he's not scoring, but I think he's doing the, what Gallagher should be doing. Um, and this top line, like uh, someone mentioned uh, about Caulfield only having eight goals on pace for 19. And I'm like, yeah, but he's on pace for 60 points. He's just a yeah. different type of player right now. Um, maybe this is a Marty trying to get that line to be more, the players on that line to be more than one-dimensional. Um, I'm okay with Caulfield being a one-dimensional shooter that scores 40, being the Stefan Riche of that line, getting his 50 goals and 10 assists or whatever the hell it is. Um, but I, I really wish Slavkowski would have scored that goal that he just powered his way in on that. That would have been beautiful. That um, would have brought us on the hype train tonight. Then yes, the, the tone yes. of the show would have been totally different, right? <laughs> and I do yeah. want to talk about Slaff at length in, in like the second segment, but let's yep. focus on yep. Caulfield a little bit because I'm glad you brought him up because I, I think a lot of people are frustrated this year. Understandably, he's not scoring. Uh, I don't know how many shots he had tonight. I'm going to try to check here quickly. Just one. Okay, so he, he okay, wasn't generating sure. a lot. And he had a therapy day instead of practice this morning. Um or I guess instead of the morning skate, it wasn't a full practice. Yeah. Um, I think three or four games now he's looked not quite himself. Something's bugging him. I don't but... think he's looked good all year, to be honest with you. Like, Oh, really? See, I think he's looked quite good all year, but the shooting percentage hasn't been there. I, I do wonder how much of it is the shoulder that and, he and, hasn't and, fully acclimated yet. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, I think he's... You know, early on, was getting those OT goals early in the season and stuff like that. But I just find his game's been 
he's just taking shots from everywhere. He's not taking shots that he normally takes when he's trying, you know, he's just shooting and hoping the puck goes in where before he was actually picking his spots and, and shooting, knowing that the goalie is going to have to make a hell of a save to, to, to stop it. Um, I think some of it's his shoulder. I think he might have some kind of other injury maybe because uh, he doesn't seem to be skating as well. I do notice he's playing a little bit more, better defensively uh oh, yeah, much, I find better. He, much better than he was last year i don't know if that's he took away from his offensive game to work on his defensive game i know marty's a big fan of i'm not worried about what we know you can do let's work on what you need to work on to be a better player um i'd be okay with that if someone came out and said hey don't worry about caulfield we're doing the same thing with him we did with slavkowski you, you know what i mean and and yeah he'll get his goals but we just want him to be a good two way forward, which is not, in my opinion, not necessary for him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's a little bit of a, his shoulder. I'm just hoping he's not one of those injury prone guys and he's going to only play like 50 games a season for, for the Habs for the rest. I mean, he's a small guy, so it's, it's, it's plausible. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think th- there's a lot of paranoia in Habs land because like everybody on the team is injured all the time. Right. Mm. Nick Suzuki is the only guy who's immune from it. But I I remember seeing a lot of takes last year when he went down and be like, Oh, this guy's like a bandaid. He's going to be injured all the time. And I was like, that's his, that's his first injury. (laughs) Like that's his first injury that kept him out of games. The only other times he's been out of games has been because Ducharme was foolish and also Ducharme was foolish heading into the playoffs. And then (laughs) the beginning of 21, 22. Right. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not worried about Caulfield, but I do think something's bugging him right now. I think you, you are on something with the skating. I think there's like a pep in his step. That's not quite there. Yeah. Yeah. And And, uh, Dave Poulin brought it up tonight at the TSN uh, uh, broadcast. He said, there's not, he's not, uh, He's not skating like he normally skates. Like there's not a uh, any. He thought something was ailing him. And if that's the case, pull him for a game or two and and, and let him uh, let him rehash. I mean, if it's something little like a Charlie horse or just to make some pains, okay. But I think there's a little bit more to it than that. Maybe it's yeah. his shoulder. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. I mean, I if, know. as long as it's not like a groin or something, right? Where playing through it does actually make it significantly worse. Yeah. You, yeah. you hope that they're being cautious understanding this season is not a season where you need to be competing as hard as you possibly can even though the players you want them to compete as hard as you can but yeah something's not right with him at the at the moment but I, i do think that his evolution in his game both in terms of like playmaking and defensive play once his scoring ticks back to where we all know it will be like once he can incorporate that into his game once his shoulder feels calibrated i guess for lack of a better Mm. term like he's going to be a significantly better player which i find really exciting because i look at how good nick suzuki's been this year and the step that he's taken is incredible and if if uh coffee can take a similar kind of step while maintaining like a 40 goal pace Man, that that changes things significantly. Well, so like for instance, Suzuki's I believe still on pace for around seventy points or seventy-one points. I'm not sure after tonight's game, but I know from the last game, I think he was like sixty-nine point eight points or something, something like that. And uh, which again is a progression of Suzuki sixty-one, I think sixty-three, and now he's going to push that seventy. But if you can turn Caulfield into a 
70 point player, you're going to turn Suzuki into an 80, 85 point per yeah. game player. Right. And then you have Slavkovsky. And if he keeps projecting the way he seems to project, then you have another 60, 70, you know, so you have a whole line that's going to have 80 to 70 points. Now, we do need an elite forward up front, but if you have an entire line that's going to score you over 200 points or to get you 200 goals, that's almost just as good as having that elite player in your top six. Yeah, right? yeah, it is. Uh, that's the thing, like, with Slav, I mean, I, and we're going to talk about him more, but with him yeah. looking like the perfect complement, right, that completed line is, like, one check off of the building blocks, right? Right. And if, say, the Canadians massively luck into Macklin Celebrini at the draft this year, and then you've got Celebrini, who it should be relatively easy to build a line around him because he, he won't need elite players with him to make an elite line, and then you've mm-hmm. still got Kirby Doc. Yeah, you still like, got Kirby Duck. Even if they get Lindstrom, even if they lock into getting Lindstrom yep, and they get to pick player. him because that's another player that could fall anywhere between three and eight. And if yep. Montreal can get that pick, you're still going to have that. I mean, I don't think there's too many. There's no Bedards in this draft, but there definitely is that next level talent. Uh, it's just a matter of, and Lindstrom's going to be like another big kind of power forward type guy with skill um which everyone complains montreal doesn't have enough of they're all small and little yet let's go get 510 mitchkov who's not a very great skater but anyway i won't get into that that's my uh that's my twitter hill i'll die on yeah i'm i was on the mitchkov train i i do think it was a mistake but i am totally fine with david reinbacher being a number one defenseman if that ends up happening you know like i know it's been a tough season for him dealing with the injury and then there's been a coaching carousel there as well i think he needs to just get off that team uh get over to laval when their season ends and see how it works out but yeah uh, i I was i was a leonard benson guy so i wasn't a reinbacher guy either but uh, i was a uh, leonard benson guy i would have loved benson or leonard like that i think that's the the big issue for a lot of people in that draft is you, you look at how many good defensive prospects the Canadians have and how good Reinbacher will have to be to outweigh what they lost, like the opportunity cost at the top of that draft. It's a tough one. It's a real it, tough one. It is. The, the, my, my silver lining to that is he's going to be the perfect complement for Lane Hudson. Yes, that's, that's mine as well. That's the way I look at it. So Yeah, mine, mine as well. And you know what? Listen... I think a lot of people were feeling that same way about the Slavkovsky draft. And then you look at the last month and a half, two months of Slavkovsky, and I'm like, I'm not sure there's anybody in that draft right now that you'd rather have on this team. The argument was Logan Cooley, but now you can't really say that. So No, I mean, Cooley's been a power play weapon, but if you look at how much players are contributing in all areas of the game. I don't know if anybody from that draft that's currently in the NHL and it's early is touching what Slaff is doing right now. I don't think so either. Yeah. He's been incredible. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about Slaff. Let's, let's move on. But before we do okay. make sure if you're here and you like the show, smash the like button on this YouTube page because Hey, it helps us grow and subscribe to SDPN. We're getting close. We're inching closer every day to a hundred thousand subscribers on this channel. And once we do, we become YouTube partners and we get to have all sorts of good interactions with YouTube and it helps us grow sustainably as a channel. So please do both of those. And if you really like us, you know, 
grab the link, share it on your favorite social media of choice. Tell everybody to check it out. Tell all your friends about us as well, because this is a fun show. It's a good catharsis after a game. All right. Um, I, there's some other players I want to talk about as well, but Slavkovsky gets hit hard tonight in the concussion protocol. Let's start with that, and then we'll move to his good play. I kind of like that he was willing to take the hit to make the play, but where where do you land on that hit? Because I looked at it a bunch of times, and Slavkovsky's reaching, which puts him in a vulnerable spot, but his head doesn't move at any point, like change positions while Nick Ash is coming in, and it sure looks like the head is the principal point of contact to me. I think it was a clear headshot. I think, uh, I mean, Slavkovsky's what, 6'3", 250-some-odd pounds, or 230-some-odd pounds. And I think, uh, although he did tuck the elbow in, I think it was yes. shoulder to head. I think the first contact was to the head. Um, I thought he took the hit really well. I think Slavkovsky yes. knew he was going to get hit. Um but I think it was, uh, I think Matt Drake has the video of it and it's just, he slows it down and it just, it's, it's the shoulder to the, to the chin was the first contact. And then, then coming through, I, I don't know if he, he jumped, but he did look like he lifted himself up to make the hit. And, uh, I think there should have been a penalty, but whether uh, I'd be, I would have been okay with a minor penalty on that, but, uh, We'll see what happens. I don't know if the NHL, I mean, the uh, board of in whatever they're called there, that Department Paros, of Player Safety, Department of, of we flip a coin to see what we're going to do, player safety, uh, Department of we barely it. do our jobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Dyer in the chat points out it was Nason, not uh, Nick Ash. There's too many, yeah, similar yes, names in the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. It was Nason. It um, was Nason. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the kind of hit that. I don't think it was necessarily intentionally dirty from Nason. Like you said, he tucked the elbow. I don't believe he jumped into the hit. I do think he came in high. Like, I think he saw that Slavkovsky was bent over and was like, I'm just going to stiffen up and make sure that I get him all the way through yeah. instead of like going down and actually trying to hit him through the chest. But I, I feel like anytime you put somebody in concussion protocol, especially when you're ahead in a game, there needs to be some sort of punitive measure on the play unless it's purely an accidental situation because what's what's preventing anyone from doing that to a good player when you're up at the end of a game to take them out because you're out for like 10, 15 minutes, yeah. right? To take them out of the game essentially and give yourself a huge advantage. And I'm not saying that's what Nason was doing, but... I feel like that's a hit that you just can't make or you got to slow up a little bit. I don't think Nason went at, like, I don't think he was head hunting. I just think when he made no. the check, his, his first point of contact was the head. Like, yeah. uh, 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 I don't think he was trying to hit Slavkovsky in the head. I, to me, coming from old school 80s, 90s hockey, that was actually just a hit. Like, if you really go back yes. in time and look at hits um but with uh with this one like i don't think it was intentional i don't think he was literally try- or intentionally trying to hit the head i just think it was a head it hit him in the head uh hockey rules state that you know if the contact's first in the head it's a five minute major i believe it's a five minute major or it's de- debatable by the refs whether it's a two or five minute 
and then you know it should be reviewed by the league but i kind of agree with you like you're right there's nothing stopping like a guy like tom wilson oh we're up four three i'm gonna go out and take out Sidney crosby get him in the head yep on purpose right and with the concussion spotters you know they're the gonna con- take them yeah. out so the con- if he lies on the ice for any minute then he's gonna be out of the the rest of this this period or the game this period or the game and uh so, I don't know. I think any hit to the head should be reviewable. I think that yep. the Montreal should be to say, "I want that reviewed as a as a as a to see if it was a penalty, a hit to the head." And if it shows in the video the first contact was the head, then it's it's at least a two minute penalty for the it's at least a power player or two minute penalty for the. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I heard on the overhead it looks like he got chest first or collarbone first, but I didn't see an overhead replay. The, the replays neither, that I saw neither. all look like head first. Uh, yeah. Kay in the chat raises it. Well, Anderson, a quote after the game, raises a good point. He said that he didn't really get to see a replay of it, but when a guy's laying on the ice like that, I think it's fine to review it. The refs don't have to make it a two minute or a five minute. I agree. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's yeah. not in the rules right now, but like the refs could call a major and review it and then call it down. That is something they're allowed to do now. Yeah. Or just review so. the play in general to see if it is a, a major. I mean, look at the World Juniors uh, just the other day. Yep. Canada got a five-minute major pe- – a five-minute penalty that ended up not being a penalty at all. So, yeah, and, that, uh, and as much as I find, like, junior hockey is a little over-refed, yeah. that, that's good officiating, right? When, when you yeah. get it right – and I don't want to review every play, but yeah. big moments, you kind of yeah. – I lean toward yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm saying I think that's a good idea. Yeah, so let, let's talk about Slaff on the positive side because man, that power move. It, I feel like with Slav, and I said this on Twitter as well. Lately, with Slavkovsky, as opposed to last season where he would try to do something cool and if it wouldn't work, he would just get discouraged and and play kind of boring hockey where it, it was just like he gets the puck and he's like, "Who can I throw it to as fast as possible to get yeah. it away from me?" It seems like this season, especially the last two months. Whenever Slavkovsky does something cool, even if he doesn't quite pull it off, it's like something clicks in his brain. He's like, oh, I, I can do that at the NHL level. I can I can power through these guys. And I think in that moment, it looked to me like he realized, like, if he pulls that power move, how many defensemen in the NHL can stop him? Well, let's look at something else. He When has he lost a board battle? Not very often lately. <laughs> Right. So if he can win those board battles, he can power through those defensemen like no tomorrow. Yeah. Like, you know, like Anderson, he used to do it all the time. That's how he scored his goals. He used to come in, come on the inside, just flick. If he, I mean, if he would have scored that goal, this show would have been totally different. I would have been so, I would have been so bored. I would have changed the outcome of the game. But, uh, um, Man, the way he came in and just manhandled the the defenseman that was on him as he was going through, he has the size. His speed looks like it's a lot better than it was last year. His skating's a lot better than it was last year. And uh, I think he's starting, like you say, he. it's like the uh, shootout goal that he missed on. He hit the post. His very next shootout attempt, he did the exact same move and scored. So yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. Once he does something and realizes he can succeed at it, He's like, oh, wait a minute here. Yeah, let's go do this. And I think that's the whole 
uh, Marty uh, St. Louis on, uh, thing on him because uh, I, I read somewhere that they were going to send him to the AHL. Marty St. Louis said, "No, I want to. I want to coach him. I want. I want to be his coach." And I think Marty's just saying, "You can do this. Just go out and do it. Just do it." Like I mean, notice he's shooting more. He's passing. I mean, his passes were always good. Uh, but he's shooting more. He's passing more. He's getting himself open. I love how he does the head check as soon as he knows he's going to go get the puck to see where yep. everybody is. He's not making these blind backhand passes that Dvorak and Evans and all these other guys on the team do ninety per- nine times a game or like what Harris or Barron does tonight that caused that caused a goal. It was either Harris or Barron, one or the other. Barron was, was on probably, the ice. Probably Barron. Yeah, he was on the ice for most of the goals tonight. So, uh I mean, that's another story. Um, but, I mean, he's just I, – I see on Twitter, Leaf fans, a lot of other team fans are saying that we – oh, my – Canadian is talking about this guy. He only has, like, 10 points. He's, he's a bust, blah, blah, blah. They're talking to him like he's the next thing. But if you're not watching the games and you're not watching him play, you're not seeing the evolution. And if you're not yeah. seeing the evolution, then you don't understand what we're talking about. Like, and- we went – we all went from this guy could be a bust – Let's let's admit we all had that doubt in our mind after last season and the start of this season. To oh, all right, now I see why we drafted him first overall over everybody else. And I think that's what a lot of folks don't get. Right? Is yeah. it's not just the level of play right now; it's the evolution and how quickly it's happened. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we started the season, there was some good chemistry with Kirby Doc. That first game and a couple shifts looked great. Preseason looked pretty solid as well. And then he got put on that line with no natural center and Josh Anderson stinking it up defensively. And they just got crushed for, you know, like a month and a half and everyone's throwing in the towel on him. But if you watch, if you ISO cam on just Slavkovsky, you're like, you know what? He's making pretty decent decisions this whole time, even though the line's not playing very well. And then they switch it up and all of a sudden it's like, this guy's a player. Like last yeah. year, he didn't look like an NHLer, and then all of a sudden, he looks like an NHLer, and then he goes from looking like an NHLer, like oh, there's the makings of a power forward here, and he realizes how much bigger he is than everyone else, yeah. and consistently, he's using his body to make things happen, and I think people see with that power move tonight, with the way that he's playing now, that he's starting to shoot more, that he's starting to get some goals the outline of the player that he can be is now visible, right? And it makes sense to get excited about that. And I I feel like people who shame or like attack other fans for getting excited about a player starting to fulfill their potential just kind of suck as people. (laughs) Like, keep your miserableness somewhere else. If you want to dunk on the Canadians for being bad, go for it. We know they're bad, but like... (laughs) Don't pretend like everyone's out here saying Slavkovsky is the next Gretzky because people are just happy that he's turning into what looks like the possibility of being a big time player down the ro- down the road. He might not ever get there, but as it is right now, he's at the very least a good NHLer. I think he's going to get there, and I think I do too. I mean, I don't think he's going to be this hundred goal or fifty goal mm-hmm. score, hundred point guy. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a solid 70-point guy, maybe hit the point per game once or twice in his career, uh, maybe 30 goals, maybe. I don't think he's a goal scorer. I think he's more of a of a, of a, a setup guy. Um, and I just think uh, he's going to be 
I'm just excited because I often think if Doc never got hurt, where would he be right now? Oh man, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I often think, and I always think, I always said, even when he was on that Anderson line, and they all seemed to be struggling, I always said this guy could have seven points if his line mates could actually finish, yep. like seven more points than what he has. And then he hit that slump where he wasn't playing very well. It looked like his confidence was down, and then he gets put on that first line, and then it was like. It's almost like Marty, like everyone was like, Marty, why isn't he on the first line? What are you doing? Why is he on the first power play? Why is Anderson there? Blah, blah, blah. And then when he put him there, it's almost like a light switch went off in, in his brain. Went, All right, I'm where I'm supposed to be now. Let's go get the job done. And that's what he, I mean, he's really the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's the guy that's actually making that line succeed because especially Suzuki, because he's just like, oh, the puck's around the boards. I'll get the puck. You just find some open ice, right? And I'll get it to you, Nick. Yeah. And then now I look at it, and this is another sort of hint that maybe Caulfield isn't quite right, is because Caulfield's not getting into that open ice. Either A, the, the defense is guarding him more than they are Suzuki, or B, he's not getting faster than that defense to get to that open ice. And because uh, because Slath he goes in the corner behind the net and he always seems to come out with the puck like always doesn't matter how many guys go in there with him and the entire time he's fighting he's looking over his shoulder where is it like he knows he's got to get the puck and he's just trying to where is everyone okay you're over there I'm going to try to get it to you and yeah. why Matheson won't pass it to him on the power play I have no idea he's he's like <laughs> I don't know either. he's he's the opposite I said on the Twitter he's just Petrie 2.0 except Petrie wouldn't pass to Caulfield. All Masson wants to do is pass it to Caulfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I, I feel like the, the Matheson-Caulfield connection just isn't there. They keep on going to it. And it se- uh, what, what I've said throughout the year on the show is whenever the power play, they always operate in triangles, right? And mm-hmm. when it's a triangle of Caulfield, Suzuki, Matheson, the power play is just not successful. It doesn't generate chances. But if the triangle is down low and it's Caulfield, Suzuki, Monaghan, then it actually generates a lot of chances, but they haven't figured out a way way to make that work consistently. And I feel like the way is they've got to involve Slavkovsky a little bit more, right? Get the other side moving, spread out the defense a little bit. Because whenever they pass it up to Matheson, it just seems like they only stay in the upper third of the zone because they and know he's just gonna not, pass it to Caulfield. <laughs> right. And it's just not a recipe for success. I feel like I don't know what it is with Matheson in particular, because I, I know he has the skill to be a good power play player. We've seen that. His own power play production is actually quite good. But I don't know if he has the skill to make like the pass to Caulfield from the very middle of the of the point to Caulfield down low in the slot in like the scoring chance position. It seems like they can't make that connection go. And Caulfield has to come all the way up the boards to get that pass. And then like, it's too easy to cover. I I often believe that Matheson is not a power play quarterback and that he'd be better suited, maybe either switching with Suzuki or switching with uh, Caulfield. If if that makes any sense, like maybe uh, not, playing the bumper, but maybe Caulfield plays up high in the middle, whereas Suzuki is with the point with Matheson or something like that, because I find Suzuki's a little bit better of a quarterback on that power play than Matheson is. And I just find Matheson has it built in his brain. I'm either going to shoot or pass to him. I'm either going to shoot. And then 
you're absolutely right. If you don't have Slavkowski shooting or Suzuki shooting or someone else making that defense think, oh, well, they have other weapons that we got to really watch out for, right? Then you're really – it's just like when we had Shea Weber. Everyone knew Mm -hmm. they were going to pass it to Shea Weber for a big bomb, and it was easy to predict. Montreal's power plays is very easy to predict, and and I think that's why it struggles. It's a little bit too slow, a little bit too ponderous. They're looking for perfect plays too often, and sometimes you've just got to get the puck on net and, and try to get things going quickly. Like, uh, I find every power play in the league, it's like maximum three passes before a shot. And sometimes it's not a good shot, but you got to get that puck to the net at, at, at some point. Um, there are a bunch of people in the chat talking about Caden Gooley. So why don't we touch on Gooley? He's still kind of struggling, I okay. think. But there was a moment tonight that <laughs> got everybody's attention where I don't know who it was on the Hurricanes. It was kind of harassing him going down low to try to chase a puck near the boards late in the game. And you could see Gooley just got frustrated, and he just threw him down. <laughs> yes, and people are big fans of that. I don't know if you could call that a penalty, but uh, I feel like Gooley was the one being interfered with there, and he just got frustrated, and that's why it didn't get called. It's no different than Slavkowski uh, when he got that penalty there last game, where he just put his hand out like this, and yeah, that was not a penalty to me. Whoever it was did the old Tim Stutzel and went flying on the ground like he got shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gooley's struggling because he's playing with Barron, and Barron is terrible in his own zone. I think it's it's one of those things where Gooley is trying to do the job of two people, and uh, he's he can't do it. Uh, I I think he's paired with the wrong guy. Uh, I don't know who I'd pair him with, uh, Kovacevic or Harris. I guess that's who I try him with, Barron. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm crapping on Baron, but I am kind of crapping on Baron because he's been terrible and he's been terrible for a while. Yeah, I don't Barron's care that he's been on the goal in overtime. He's he's been terrible. <laughs> he's been on the struggle bus. I mean, the thing with Baron is like offense was never the area where he was struggling, right? Mm. So him scoring a goal isn't necessarily surprising. Uh, he's a good offensive player, but when the puck is on his stick in the defensive zone, he doesn't he's seem there. to. Like, he doesn't check, right, how much time he has. He doesn't seem to be aware of how much time he has a lot of the time. And the other thing that I noticed with, like, the first thing that I would change if I was involved in the team whatsoever is I would go down to the equipment staff and be like, you're changing Justin Barron's stick. Either the blade is too short, it needs to be wider, or something's going on with his ability to handle the puck because last year he did not bobble the puck like he has this year. Holding the blue line, I've never seen a guy mess up so many simple blue line holds, and it's every game the puck bounces over his stick or goes under his stick. He has the talent to make those plays, and it creates so many chances the other way where he gets caught flat-footed. That'd be my first push on him, but I, I think he's a guy who has a lot of development that needs to happen in his game still, and... Maybe the time is to put Gooley back with Kovacevic because that pairing's worked well in the past. Well, I, I just find, because Gooley's been struggling too, and I've noticed it's not coincidental that it's when he started getting paired with Barron. And, I mean, Gooley's still developing himself. Yep. And it's hard for him to develop and stay at the level that we think he should be at when you have to cover for the other guy on the ice all the time. Because you're going to be out of position. And then you're fight, then, then you're flying. Like... 
I commented on, uh, I believe it was the third goal. Uh, it was right off the, it was right off the, it was, maybe it was the fourth goal. It was right off the, uh, the uh, face off. And Baron like went over the Czechos guy, but then he went down on one knee and he did this little, like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like, why are you covering him like that? Like, you know, not only did you screen Primo, right? But then you, he literally could shoot it right between your legs, like, it, which is the worst spot for a goalie to see a puck from. Yeah. And like, all you had to do was stand up. Like, I don't know, do the whole legs together with your pretend goalie thing or, or lay down and do the old, you know, two shin pad stack or something. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I think he need. I think we should swap him with Jack Eye and uh, give him. If, if you're putting Jack Eye down in the AHL to work on his D game, then you definitely have to put Baron down in the AHL sometime to work on his D game. Yeah, and we That's saw how well it worked for Baron last year yeah. and this year because when he first came yep. up this year, you know, all confident, played really well. Mm-hmm. Same thing last year. So Baron is a guy who I I don't think you have to worry about, you know, sending him down and having him sulk, it seems like he takes that well and, and works off of it well. So that's like a credit to him wh- while he's in this struggle. He does seem to actually work on his game pretty well when given the chance, right? So not a guy who I'd even come close to throwing in the towel on. I, I do think he's going to be on this team for a long time, but he's he's on the struggle bus. All right, uh, let's talk. I wanted to talk a little bit about how boring this game was. <laughs> Because I, this is something that's been running around in my head a little bit this year. And it kind of started as a joke. I went on a bit of a rant. Jeez, uh, it must have been like a month and a half ago. About how the Canadians are a terrible team in terms of like zone entry defense. They're, they just acquiesce the line way too easily. And I was saying like, no, they're the, actually, they're not bad. They're just the only team that plays with honor. Because if you're forcing offsides, you're abusing the rules for defense, right? But I... I look at a team like Carolina and they're a team that I really like in terms of, I think they're very, very good, very efficient, very strong team, top to bottom. It's really shocking. They haven't done better in the playoffs, honestly, but I, I watch them and I don't think it's unentertaining for their own fans because they score a, a good amount. They've got some entertaining players, but to play against them, they are very boring. Right, like because they're so suffocating defensively, and I think it's very easy to appreciate good defensive play. But I think most of us, when we're watching hockey, appreciate great desperation defense. Right, like the crazy back check to deny a, a breakaway or the diving poke check to on a two on one stuff like that. Right, a great shot block in the final moments. It's not really like. We angled a guy to the boards and forced him offside. Like, that's not entertaining. You know what I mean? And I I think if you look at the way the NHL has made icing more punitive against teams, right? Now now you can't change for the last, like, 15, 16 years or whatever it's been. Um, I wonder if there's going to be a change-up with offsides. I'm heavily into the we should just ban offsides and anyone who wants to review an offside should be flogged. But... I do think realistically there should be something that changes because if you're rewarding that kind of defensive play, you end up getting boring games and just based on it is an entertainment product at the end of the day, I understand and appreciate the skill 
of zone entry defense. But I do think great zone entry defense teams produce boring hockey games. And I wonder if that's something that we have to push in this sport. And like, if you're going to defend, do it in a fun way. Like, we should be making it more difficult to defend every year. We should be rewarding scoring constantly. What do you think? Well, I find it odd that the 80s and 90s had the two-line pass, but still had more offense than we have nowadays. <laughs> um, I don't think banning offside is the answer. I'm a, I, I'm a big lacrosse player where there is no offside. And I think you're just going to have that Phil Kessel type guy who's just going to sit up by the other team's blue line the entire time and just wait for the pass. And I I don't think to me there there's no defense in that at all because you're just it's just an all star game at that point if if you get what I'm saying to that because yeah yeah you're just you're just going to have a player on the team who's like I'm just going to sit out here you guys can play five on four as soon as we get the puck just throw it out and I'm gone right um, but I do believe yes that. This is the new trap, I guess you can say, the, the the new trap that the Devils used to play in the 90s and win every game 2-1 to one or 2 nothing, and went on to win Stanley Cups. Um, I'm not sure how you can do it. Like the Canadians, they just, oh, they have the puck. We're all going to skate back into our own zone and wait for everyone to come in. Uh, that's basically what the Canadians do. Oh, they have the puck. We're just going to, all right, well, well it's, it's like on the power play. Teams on the power play, we're just going to get in our little box. Yep. Oh, we lost the draw. We're just going to go back in our little box and let everybody come in and set up. Um, I'm not – see, I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. I'm not against the way the Carolina plays their defense. Uh, I think it creates more chaos because it's one-on-one. They're smothering the other guy. you got to become creative. Uh, uh, and, and I find it's easier for guys to lose their man, especially if you have a talented guy that can get away from them. I found tonight Suzuki did that a lot. I found Armia was skating around guys like, where did this Armia come from? Like he was yeah. just dipsy dooling through everyone. Um, but I, I do see your point. Like I do see it does kind of draw drag the game down. It does make it very boring to watch, especially if you're a team like Montreal who doesn't have a lot of elite talent to, uh, you to know what I'm saying. That. When I'm saying Armia's looking good doing that, then there's got to be there's something wrong, right? Um, yeah. So, I don't know how you defend that. See, I, I would be against the offside thing only because I think you're just opening up for, you know, four on you know two guys just sitting in the neutral zone, you know, one two offensive yeah. guys just like Cole Caulfield going, all right, boys, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be right over here whenever you guys get the puck, and then I'm gonna go, but. Uh, and then, and then I finally teams are going to adapt. Okay, well that guy's going to sit there. We're going to set our defense. Actually, it might work. Now that I think about it, we're going to set. And right? then you have four or four in the up. Then you have less people in the offensive zone with more chaos. So it actually could work. Well, yeah, you got to You it'd be forcing coaches into decisions, right? And players yeah. into decisions because if a guy is going to be like Phil Kessel and just wait at the opposing blue, uh, beyond the opposing blue line, really, you could you could wait in the slot. Yeah. Well, you're giving the other team a power play. Yeah. essentially the entire time. So you could choose to defend that guy or you could choose to have a power play. It, w- it would make the, the game a, a little bit interesting for a bit. I don't know if no offsides would work, but I do think at the very least what might work is like the NBA's over and back rule where yeah. once you clear the zone, you have to get out. But I, I'm so tired of plays being called down because one guy is a quarter of an inch ahead of another guy. 
like even in soccer i feel like it has to change like you, you see on like var in soccer and a guy's like knee is beyond the point so, yeah uh, of offside and you're like what is the point of this it should be like his full body you know or like 50 percent plus if his hips are past then call it offside but you know, you don't want the Matt Duchesne situation, which is what caused all this offside review nonsense. And I don't think offsides played a big part tonight. I think Carolina is just a better team than Montreal. Oh, but for sure. I, I do wonder if we are going to get to a point where we do have to start looking at making defending a little bit tougher in the NHL. And this is probably the wrong season to have this conversation because it's a very high scoring season. But more goals are always more fun, right? So uh, it, It's for sure. I mean... If a guy can skate backwards into the offensive zone, as long as he has control of the puck, he's not offside. And why can't you say, as long as your team has control of the puck and you're not a full body and you're not like way ahead of them, then it shouldn't be offside. Do you, yeah. have, do you understand like, what if I'm you're, saying? Yeah. If you're passing like from the neutral zone and the guy's already across the line, yeah, sure. call it down. But, but if, if it's like a team has possession and they're just crossing, who cares if one guy's ahead of the other? Yeah. As, as long as, or just have it like soccer. He wasn't ahead of any of the defenders, then he's really not hurting anything. Right. Yeah. And plus, I find there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if it happened too much tonight, or particularly I'm just on a rant now, but there's a lot of interference around the blue line to push guys offside, right? Or Or to make it so that a guy steps over too fast, right as they're like on the power play where the Canadians do that drop pass thing where you're trying to push a guy offside as the, the puck is coming in. And and I feel like that's just kind of lazy defending and we shouldn't reward it just like we shouldn't reward a team that just ices the puck 15 times, right? Causing an offside seems to be no, no different to me rules wise. And like, it's just creating a stoppage, right? So you're just slowing the game down. Yeah. So, so any, kind of defensive scheme that relies on that i feel like hockey can kind of push back on a little bit it doesn't have to be straight to no offsides because it's pretty extreme mm. for a sport that's had offside for forever pretty much for 100 years or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah it's been a while but I, I do wonder if there's something that can be done about that um let's go to the chat and get some questions going here and uh, see if we've got anything worth answering I know there was some discussions here. A couple Habs fans admitted that they like the Hurricanes, which you know, ever since, ever since uh, Justin Blasphemy. Williams high stick Sako Koivu in the eye, that's actually not legally allowed. So take Blasphemy. it back. Blasphemy. That's all I got. Police say are coming Blasphemy. to your house. <laughs> uh, Tredge, somebody asked, "How's the Habs prospects?" A Sens fan in the chat. Welcome. Um, I feel like Habs prospects are doing pretty decently. Well, uh, if you look at Massar, he's almost a two-point-per-day, two-point-per-game guy in the OHL. Uh, right now, he's one of the he's one of the better players for Slovakia, who are doing very well at the World Junior Championship. Uh, Fowler is, in the two months of hockey, he's been two-time goaltender of the month. Yeah, he's uh, looking great. Uh, for uh, Boston. And uh, he played today in Amer- for Team uh, USA. He was okay. I don't think he was uh, – uh, he didn't play better than Augustine had played in the other games. But, uh, I mean, he allowed three goals on 20-some-odd shots against a pretty weak Swiss team. But, 
Um, you know, I don't think he's doing so bad. Uh, Owen Beck, Lane Hudson is Lane Hudson. He's going to be a, I think he's going to be a superstar for the Canadians. Uh, he's been pretty underwhelming so far in the world junior hockey championship, but, uh, I, I don't take the world juniors as to be the end all be all to a prospect. And I don't think anyone, Cole Caulfield was also underwhelming at the world junior championships when he played. Yeah, he was. Um, so I wouldn't look into that. Um, to a guy I, I would pay attention to if you can is, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, Volokin in the uh, in the VHL there in the in Russia. He's pretty much the, I think he's something like uh, 13, 1 and 2 with a 1.86, with a, like a 938 save percentage. He's the uh, third goalie they drafted there at the draft last year. He's playing well. Uh, Owen Miller just got traded to a contending team from the Ramparts, so it's going to be interesting to see how well he plays there. Or a, a Riley Kidney style uh, change of scenery would be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, what he did last year. I'm I'm glad to see him starting to pick up points in the American Hockey League because he had a really rough start adjusting his game to pro hockey. But uh, I think there's a lot of offense in in Riley Kidney if he can find a way to I, get I himself think he, comfortable. He came around. It's almost like him and Joshua Waugh traded spots because Waugh came out like a on <laughs> fire. Fair. And then just he's just died right off, and now uh, and Brendan Gignac is actually the best player in the Laval right now. So and no one ever yeah. even talks about him. Um, but anyway, I went through a few of the prospects. Uh, I don't think I think we have a great prospect pool. I just don't think we have anyone that's uh, a game changer. I think we have a lot of really good middle six players, like second third line players. Yep. Um, that are that can pop up into that top uh, top line if need be, but I don't believe we have uh, that guy that dark horse. Lane Hudson is probably the only one I could sit there and think that could become a a bona fide uh, a star in the NHL. If all yeah, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if Meshar can push himself to like from middle six to top six, just because his he's so dynamic. But it, it's still it's a long road uh, for him to, to get to that point, right? So I don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. But I agree with you, Lane <laughs> Hudson is is the guy that if there's a star in the system, it is Lane Hudson. Uh, let's see. There's other questions here. Uh, Kay asks, do we think Primo getting more starts is a meaningful sign? Uh, is meaningful or a sign? I actually do. I, I think I, that uh, they're looking at Primo to stay now. I think that it's Jake Allen who's going to be the one who's traded. I think, well, if you know, if you notice over the last few weeks coming up to Christmas, Jake Allen was the one getting the fewer starts. And uh, whereas at the beginning of the season, it was Primo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to look at the quality of starts that Primo's getting. Um, I mean, Carolina, I think he played in a game against Vegas. Played against um, New Jersey. Really played high against New Jersey. Teams. So, I mean, it's not like they're just throwing them again and against Chicago and San Jose, which they did. But they're not the only games he's getting. And to me, I think uh, right now, I think Allen's just a Ken Hughes saying yes to a deal to a certain team away from being traded. I think he's gone before the trade deadline, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, I I do too. I don't think it's going to be too much longer. 
there's yeah. too many teams desperate for goaltending, right? Uh, yeah. We saw one tonight, even though <laughs> Ranta apparently played his best game of the year <laughs> against the Habs, which frankly still wasn't that good. It wasn't know? that like, great of a game, no. <laughs> it wasn't. It's just he he had some pretty lucky moments there. He, yeah. he made some good saves too. I don't want to take anything away from him. But I think he's pretty much done in through injuries yeah. and age. I was talking to some Hurricanes fans during the game, and they were saying, like, he's just so slow in his lateral movement now that he can't keep up. And the Hurricanes haven't been as strong defensively as last year, so their goalies are just getting lit up. And with Anderson out, it's just thin there. I honestly think their goaltenders last year were a product of how great their defensive system was. Totally Not agree. so much how good their goalies were. Totally agree. I thought Anderson was okay. Like, he's always just, he's a good, decent guy, right? Like, he'll give he, you 55 decent games. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a, he's a number one goalie, but he's not the, he's not, he's not going to lose you a game, but he's not going to steal too many games for you either. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, other than that, I think, oh, uh, Tredge, is this the longest you've gone without doing a push up? Trizak asks. <laughs> What's the, what's the longest I've gone? No, is is this show the longest you've gone without doing a push up? I think he sleeps, guys. Believe it or not, I don't do a whole lot of push ups. So, uh... <laughs> so he's a I, plank I, man. Yeah, no, I don't do that either. <laughs> just weights. I just throw weights around. That's all I do. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was somebody asking if Slavkovsky's concussed. That's not something that we know at this point. He was pulled for the concussion protocol. He didn't want to leave the bench, but that doesn't I, mean anything. As a person who's had four concussions, he may not think he is now, but he could be tomorrow. That's yeah, just the way, way concussions he was, go. The way he was lying on the ice, uh, I would tend to think good chance. Something. Something. Yeah. yeah. Might not be a, a bad one, right? Because sometimes your first one isn't that bad. Like I've only yeah. had that I know of one concussion in my life, and like you said, didn't clock it until the next morning. And I was like at work, and I was walking down a hallway, and then I just walked throughout the entire building, not realizing what I was supposed to do. And I was like, "Where the hell am I? I'm out in the parking lot." And I had to go uh, talk to my boss, and I ended up, you know, they were very gracious in letting me go home, but I drove myself which was probably the worst thing he could have done. But uh, safe and sound, that was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago now. So, But yeah, uh, I would guess that there's probably something with Slav, which is I would guess that as well. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't hurt to hold him out a couple of games anyway, even though he's playing so well. All right, that's probably it for tonight. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us here. We had a, a fun stream even after a boring game, as per usual. Thanks to Tredge for joining us. Before I close things up, Tredge, do you want to tell everyone where to find you? Uh, I write for the Hockey Writers, uh, Montreal Canadiens, of course, uh, and I'm also the co-host of the uh, podcast Habs Unfiltered. Always on Twitter. Uh, you can see me on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Instagram, you're just going to see a bunch of bodybuilding and workout stuff, so if you're not into that, don't bother. <laughs> Bernardo says I thought Andrew was going to say they fired him at the job no I wasn't working in hockey that, I was working in mining back then <laughs> all they were concerned about was whether it happened at work or not they're like are we liable no okay get out of here alright folks we'll see you again on Saturday uh, for the Habs taking on who are they playing on Saturday I don't even remember Florida now. Florida. Florida. Oh, crap. That's not going to be... 
a fun game to watch, I don't think. It's going to be a spicy one, I'm sure, but uh, probably not a great chance of a win, we'll say that. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all on Saturday. Yeah!